So what's the latest with the current tax law? What can you expect with future tax laws? What might the 2020 election mean for your taxes? And what might happen to the capital gains tax? Find out all of that at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday, August 26th, when we're doing another YMYW live webinar. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to sign up in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe and Big Al dive into tax planning for Roth conversions with itemized deductions, dividends, and long-term capital gains, the difference between a distribution and a conversion, separating pre- and post-tax money for a rollover, and gong baths. But first, let's talk about annuities. Is a three-year fixed annuity a safe place to earn more than 20 basis points? And what should you do if you're stuck in an annuity that you don't want? I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joey Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Tony writes in, I have an annuity and have had it for 28 years. It has high fees. I'm two years from retirement, over 60 now. Should I move to a lower fee-based annuity or just stick with it? Bond is about 500000 I don't like annuities, but I'm stuck with this vehicle. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I do. It's like Sam I am. I don't like it. It's Sam I am. <laughs> I don't like green eggs and ham. Well, I don't like it on a bun. I don't like it on the run. I don't. <laughs> well, that's pretty good, Al. Yeah, not bad. Huh? Yeah. Um, so what should I do? Thank you for your help. All right. So let's, let's, let's do this. All right. We got a little bit of time today. Yeah, we do. Break this down a little bit more. Uh, it, first of all, the, the, the question I would have is why did T – purchase the annuity in the first place because there's there's pros and cons to each um, investment vehicle and, and but but let me correct myself I don't believe an annuity is an investment so if you're getting sold an annuity as an investment then I think you should rethink of what you're trying to do with your overall finances um, an annuity is insurance bottom line it's kind of, it's insurance for long life right sure. I mean, it's either. I mean, if you live a long life, then you're going to be able to stretch your dollars that much further. So, an annuity. There's a few different types of annuities. There is an immediate annuity. An immediate annuity would be like I have a hundred thousand dollars. I'm going to give it to XYZ Insurance Company in exchange for a retirement or for an income for life. So you're sort of like buying a retirement plan. I'm, well, I'm buying income. Yeah. Right. I'm transferring the risk of a guaranteed income stream to the insurance company. Yeah. Okay. So I don't want to take this $100,000 and take distributions from it. I don't want to take $2,000 a year. I'd much rather just exchange it for a retirement income stream for life. And generally, that payment goes for the rest of your life. If you die prematurely, it stops. If you live a long life, it keeps going. And you could do a period certain. You could say, if I die in the next year, you know, I still want this to pay out for 10 years. Um, it could have joint survivor benefits. It could have all sorts okay, of different okay, things. But just it. to keep it really simple, let's just say it's on my life. Okay. I exchange $100,000 to the insurance company. They're going to pay me, let's call it probably $2,200, bucks for the rest of my life, depending on my age. Okay. If I'm 65 and she's 60. So it'll be close to that. Okay. All right. That sounds pretty good. Maybe I get two to $3,000 guaranteed forever. Or there's deferred annuities, which sounds like what she has is that, all right, well, I want to give my money to an insurance company and there could be a fixed rate of return. So this is a fixed annuity. So they might guarantee me 2% or 3%. It's very similar to CD rates. 
And so, but when I receive income from a CD, what that's taxable, mm-hmm. it shows up as interest on your tax return. Right. But if it's an annuity in a shell, the annuity, it grows tax deferred. So I don't have to pay any tax until I pull the income out. Kind of like inside a retirement plan. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Because annuities were, were, are made for retirement. Right. Because if you pull the money out prior to 59 and a half, it's a 10% penalty. Every income that's derived from it, it's ordinary income. Right. So at that point, you could take distributions of your liking or you could annuitize it. And then again, that's exchanging that lump sum to the insurance company for a guaranteed income for the rest of your life. Right. Uh, Then there's variable annuities. The variable annuity works. um, It's still in a chassis of an annuity. But with a fixed annuity, you have a guarantee by the coffers of the insurance company. Um, In a variable annuity, you are picking investments such as that that look uh, and, and feel like mutual funds. Uh, I want large companies, small companies, international companies, and things like that. Um, And then they grow tax deferred. So you don't have to pay taxes on the interest and dividends. You get the compounding tax deferral of it. Uh, Those products are fairly expensive because there's still a death benefit component. Because they're variable, they could go down in value. Right. So if I put my $100,000 in, it drops to $75,000 and I die, well, then my beneficiaries on that account would get the full 100000 if I didn't take any money out of the account. Got it. So there was a life insurance component there. Sure, sure. Right? And then now there's other bells and whistles of saying, all right, well, would you like a guaranteed income with that? So now there's more riders of saying, hey, we can give you a variable type feel of this annuity so you can potentially get more growth over the long term than our fixed rate. Um, and then from there, we can give you a guaranteed income for the rest of your life. Uh, so some people buy those. Those are, again, extremely expensive. And you have to be very careful with those because your internal rate of return is usually pretty low, a lot lower than what the person believes they're getting. So those bells and whistles cost you quite a bit. Yeah, they're expensive. Or they can. Because the, the insurance company says, you know what, we're going to take on the risk. Yeah. If the insurance company's taking on the risk, they they're get making paid for sure it. they're going to get paid for it. You bet. Yeah. Right? Right. There's no free lunch here. Right. If they're saying, I'm going to pay you out for the rest of your life and you're a vegan and you're looking good. I mean, I they'll can, say, wouldn't you like some steak? <laughs> I'd be like, man, I'm on the hook for years. <laughs> so I got to figure something out, right? I, right. I got to make sure that I protect my investment. Insurance companies are pretty good at that. They have a lot of very smart people on staff that take advantage of the, the individual investor. Got I it. mean, bottom line, it's right. business. Right. Okay. And so your internal rate of return as a customer is usually anywhere from what we found to two and a half percent, even though they might promote different types of higher guarantees. You just have to run the math. Right. Um, so, so T's like, all right, well, I got this annuity. I bought it a long time ago. She's had it for 28 years. It's worth 500,000 bucks. So 30 years, I guarantee you her initial payment on that thing was probably maybe a hundred thousand bucks. Yeah. Even with like 3%, 4% fees. 28 years ago. Yeah. Right. So now it's worth 500,000. She believes she's stuck in the product because if she takes the $500,000 out, the majority of that 500,000 is going to be subject to ordinary income tax. Yeah. And that's why she feels stuck because whatever surrender period there may have been would have have been long gone. Right. There's not going to be any um, cost of a CDC charge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but, because I mean, when you, if you have annuities that are outside of retirement accounts, which we're presuming this is, then there's two ways that to get out of it that it could be costly. One is a surrender charge if it's within the surrender period. And the second is you got to pay taxes on all the gain. Right. And then that's what she's saying yeah, now. Right. So she feels stuck. 
So a couple of options. So be careful. First of all, if she, I, I'm not giving advice here because it's like, well, why did you buy the annuity in the first place? Did, did you want a guaranteed income and not worry about it and have, a, you, even though you're taking a lot lower expected rate of return, but you have a guarantee that's offered by a big insurance company. So there's something there. There is a little bit of value there. Um, if you're not really looking for that guarantee and you thought this was more of an investment versus a, an income play, uh, well, then you shouldn't have bought the product to begin with, right? And I think she realizes that now. Right. And it's like, well, how do I get out of this thing? Because the guarantees that I'm receiving, I'm not going to use anyway. I, 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 I'm wasting money. So, two things. I, you could slowly take money out of this thing, like a Roth conversion, so you would look at what tax bracket that you're in. And maybe you have $20,000 of room in the 12% tax bracket. You could take out $20,000 out of this product per year, pay the 12% tax rate, and kind of slowly bleed it out that way, and then reinvest those dollars into a brokerage account. Sure. That could work. Or you, like, or you, you, you could exchange it into another annuity that has a lot lower fees. Yeah, and that, that looks like that's what our other advisor is suggesting. So that's a that's a ten thirty five exchange. What would you do, Al? If I mean you're close to sixty, and let's say you had a non qualified annuity with five hundred thousand dollars, with let's say a hundred thousand dollar basis. Well, obviously, there's a lot we more we need to know about this particular annuity. But as a general rule, I would would be inclined to exchange it to a cheaper annuity. So you would want to keep it in the annuity. You wouldn't want to bleed it out. Um, I might do both, to be honest. Put it in a cheaper annuity mm-hmm. and then slowly bleed the yeah, thing out. Yeah, yeah, I think that's yeah. exactly what I would do. Because she's probably paying, you know, 3 or 4%. But the guarantees could be good. This was 30 well, years ago. That, see, that's the thing. We don't know what the guarantees are. Maybe they're worthwhile. Right. They are, it, they are expensive. It sounds but maybe there's some benefit to them. I mean, the annuities 30 years ago, a lot of these annuities are based on interest rate environment too. Yeah. Um, who knows what type of guarantees that they have. Maybe you go back to the insurance carrier to see if they would buy it back. I've seen that done too. They're like, well, these guarantees are too good. They're too rich. Yeah, right. Um, so they don't necessarily want them out in the public anymore. Right. Um, so they'll buy them out at, at a little bit of a premium so they don't use those guarantees. Sure. Yeah, uh, but those—that's that, too far f- between. Yeah, right. I would say ninety-five percent of this is junk. So, so yeah, I think the you know the thing about annuity—if you—if you just take little bits out, then it's all your gain is taxable first until you get to your tax basis. If you annuitize it to where you get an income stream for life, then it's split between some is taxable and some is return of capital. But I would agree over twenty-eight years, probably there's a lot of gain in here. Yep. Yeah, good point. So, right, it's pro rata. So, let's say 100's basis, five, 400 is uh, Yeah, I mean, she, she's two years out from retirement. So, may, maybe you switch to a, a 1035 exchange into a cheaper annuity and then you annuitize it so it, the tax hit isn't as bad. Yeah, but then, I don't know, your you internal wait rate of return is I know. <laughs> I would bleed that thing out, but then it looks, so there's a lot of different things that she has to do, Right. How much money does she have? How much money is she looking to live off of? What is her income need, right? And then what other income sources do they have? And what tax bracket are they in? Right. You start formulating some strategy around that. And then you look at, all right, does it make sense? Because be careful. for If you're buying annuities that are outside of a retirement account, just know that you're building a tax time bomb. 
because your retirement account is now is going to be taxed at ordinary income. And then this annuity is taxed at ordinary income. So like this might be your only liquid asset that is outside a retirement account. So everything that she has is going to be taxed at the highest of rates. Yeah, good point. So um, we're not fans of an annuity um, really at all, unless someone just says, I want an immediate guaranteed income stream. Uh, and then just exchanging cash for, for an income, um, I, I think makes sense in a lot of cases for some people. Uh, but to these variable deferred, you know, guaranteed income benefits and all of that other bells and whistles, I think it's just, they're sold um, versus people truly understanding what they're actually getting into. Right. Cynthia writes in from Texas. Hi, Andy, Big Al and Joe. Love the podcast. I'm a loyal listener from Texas. And this is my third question. All right. Well, um, just keep going to the keep, well. Keep coming. Cynthia, like uh, it. Maybe you should hire us. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> that would be a thought too. <laughs> I'm kidding. I like it when we get these four-page plans. And it's like, this is just a quick question. Just, it's like, man, I would, this, this is we, like a we, full, need a full financial I, plan. I know. Not we, a computer. <laughs> we got to bring in full staff. <laughs> <laughs> it's like here hold on for like three or four hours we'll just come up with some stories while you're waiting uh, oh okay well cynthia where can we put cash safely and earn more than 20 basis points oh she's sophisticated yeah basis that's uh, good basis points uh we have a cd currently earning 1.75 percent which we thought was catastrophic yeah but when it matures in august we are looking at 0.2 percent to renew so why bother, right? So we've been advised to lend our money to an insurance company and place it in a three-year fixed annuity, which is yielding 1.65%. We're inclined to do it. What do you say? Should we be concerned about safety? The amount invested will be a small percentage of our total portfolio, but more CDs will be coming due in the coming months. Thanks so much. You're a very good friend in a large Texas city. I drive a Honda. <laughs> yeah, Cynthia. with a smiley face. Um, okay, you know what I would do, Cynthia. You know where she needs to go is um, earn more interest, or what's what? What? what max are we, my I'm, interest. Max my interest. Max my interest. Yeah, that is a good one. Try that before you get you lock up into a fixed annuity at one point six five. Um, is there any? In, you're buying an insurance product uh, that it's three years. It's not that big of a deal. The yield's not that great. So I imagine the commission's probably not that huge. The money grows tax deferred. Uh, you can't pull the money out until you're 59 and a half. Uh, so just, I'm not sure how old you are, Cynthia. So if you're under 59 and a half and you want more liquidity, then I will not put it into a, in an annuity product. Um, yeah. Also, I would say not all banks are the same. I just went to my credit union a couple months ago and they were paying 1%. Okay. So it's not a great rate, but it's better than Point two. Yeah, you can also look at really short term. Um, I got some cash in like short term California Muni bond. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's all sorts of different there, alternatives. There are. Yeah, so. I, I agree with you. Probably that's insurance is not the best way to go. 
I've posted the link to Max My Interest in the podcast show notes, as well as some other free resources if you want to learn a little bit more about annuities. You can watch Joe and Big Al break down fixed indexed annuities back when we could all be in the studio together. You can read the pros and cons of buying an annuity for retirement income, learn the truth about variable annuities, and more. Got questions? Ask Joe and Big Al on air is back and functional. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Access all those free resources, sign up for our live webinar next week, and send in your money questions. Uh, we got David. He writes in uh, from NYC. Greetings from NYC. Where I listen to the podcast every week while walking around Central Park, enjoying the info and the humor. Since I'm wearing a face mask, people can't see me laughing. Probably a good thing. Yeah. People enjoy watching yeah, other people I, laugh. I think it's okay to laugh. Of course, I suppose if someone says, what are you laughing about? Oh, this financial show. It's too hard to explain. Back in episode 266, um, you had a really helpful discussion about tax brackets. And my question today relates to that topic in tax planning, plus the ever popular Roth conversion. Sorry. Here goes. I hope I'm providing all the details you need. Okay. Let's see what David's got cooking here. Okay. I'm married. File a joint return. I'm retired, age 68, and drawing Social Security, and my wife is still employed. Let's just say, hypothetically, our AGI is 201,000. Hypothetically. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, why don't you you say exactly 201,000? 201,474. But, you know, give or take. I mean, he didn't even round it down to 200,000. 201. So it it was a rounding error. Taxable wages in Social Security some fully taxable Roth conversions, short-term and long-term gains and dividends, itemized deductions from real estate, tax and contributions to a donor advised fund are $30,000. So on the face of it, it appears that we're basically hit the top of the 22% tax bracket, which is 171,000. And if I wanted to do any additional Roth conversions, they'd be taxed at the 24% rate. But if 30,000, of the 201,000 is from dividends and long-term capital gains being taxed at only 15%. Should I be thinking that I really could do a $30,000 conversion, an additional 30,000 to max out that 22% bracket? So let's stop there, Al, because yeah, this good, is a really good question. It is a good question. So there's ordinary income tax. Uh, so certain income sources are taxed at ordinary income in certain other income is taxed at uh, cap gains or dividend rate. Yeah, that's right. And so let's, let's start with his income. I'm going to round it to 200,000. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And he's got 30,000 of itemized deductions. So his taxable income is 170, which is the top of the 22% bracket. So he's thinking maybe I shouldn't do a Roth conversion because then I'll have to pay 24% tax. But then he thought, well, wait a minute about 30,000 of my income is capital gains and qualified dividends, which gets taxed at 15%, regardless of my income level, until it gets over about 470,000, something like that. Right. It's a great question. And the answer, David, is absolutely yes. You are absolutely correct. Uh, it's a little known trick, I guess, if you want to call it that, that when you are in pushed up into the next bracket and you have a certain amount of capital gains, you can actually go into the next bracket because the they over- sit on top. They sit on top, right? So the overage would be taxed at capital gain rate. So in this example, 
yeah, David could do a $30,000 Roth conversion and still stay in the 22% bracket, even though his taxable income is 200,000, because of the 200,000, 30 will be taxed at the capital gains rate, and then the 170 is taxed at ordinary income rate. But I should mention that works for every single bracket except between the 12% and 22% bracket. And let me explain why. Because when you are in the 12% bracket, your capital gains are tax-free. And so if you go in above, it's roughly $80,000 for a married couple. If you go into the next higher bracket to the 22% bracket and think, well, this makes sense because I got capital gains. Now you've taken your capital gain that was taxed at 0%. Now it's taxed at 15. And oh, by the way, you've got to pay tax on the Roth conversion, which will probably be the 12% bracket. So now you're paying a 27% tax in that example. Hard to explain on the radio, but if you think about it, when you're going from the 12% bracket to the 22, all of a sudden those capital gains, which were tax-free, become taxable. It's not a good deal at all. But when you're in other brackets, it's a fantastic deal. Because, if, I mean, if you look at it, they're sitting on top, right? Right, right. And so let's say if David's taxable income... And, and let's just assume the top of the bracket, we're going to round here, David, <laughs> is $80,000. Right. Okay. And if his taxable income was $70,000. Yeah. Right. Okay. And it was like, okay, but 10000 of that was capital gains. Yeah. Well, that 10000 of capital gains would have been tax-free because he stayed in that 12% tax bracket. That's right. But if he did a $20,000 Roth conversion and got his taxable income up to 80000 well, now that tax or, or that cap gain sits on top of the ordinary income. Now that's in the 22% tax bracket. It's taxed at 15% plus state plus whatever. Yeah. So, you know... Great example, Joe. So that $10,000, the $20,000 Roth conversion, right? It gets taxed at 12% because that's the bracket that you're in. But 10,000 of the capital gains now, instead of taxed at zero, are now taxed at 15%, right? So you got that on top of the other. So it, in, in his example, it worked out for him. Right. Because he's like, well, I don't want to get in that 24% tax bracket, but 30,000 of this is capital gains. Well, if I do another $30,000 Roth conversion, well, guess what? That filled up that 22% tax bracket. The remaining 30,000 sits on top of your ordinary income. Right. That's not going to be taxed at 24. Yeah. That's going to be taxed at 15%. So in David's example, it works out pretty good. But if you're in the, that lower tax bracket, you're filling up those lower brackets, which would be a capital gain yeah, tax-free. Right. So I'm going to say, David, Congrats. That, that's actually, you're a little smarter than I am because I learned this by accident. <laughs> I didn't think about it like you. I learned it by accident. Roughly 10,000 um, tax, tax projections. projections. Yeah. yeah, this was probably over a decade ago when I was doing more tax projections and all of a sudden we would do a bigger Roth conversion. And I was thinking, gosh, it's only tax the capital gain rate. Something's wrong here. And I had to look into it. I go, oh, of course, right? Because it sits on top. His question goes on, since I have to make quarterly estimated tax pay, uh, payments, knowing the answer to this question would help figure out uh, the rest of the year. Plus, I really want to convert more money to my Roth since right now we are overweighted on both traditional IRAs and my wife's uh, 401k. Uh, you talked about the likelihood about higher taxes uh, down the road, and I'm willing to bet on that as well. Thanks always. Keep up the great and entertaining work. Uh, details not related to the question. No car. Okay, so he just chills in the subway. Subway well, instead. New York City, of course. Yeah. yeah makes no sense. pets. Have I left anything out? Do you like golf? 
Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Everybody's going to have a long list of questions they have to ask. What, what answer kind of, we can always kind of adult beverage. Do you what, do what's your wife's for? name? <laughs> uh, all right, it's a little cool. personal. Uh, cool, David. So hopefully that helps out. There's couple of nuggets to, to yeah. chew on there too. Yeah, I, let me just add, Joe, that uh, estimated payments, if, you're, if you are doing a Roth conversion and your income is higher, you may have to make estimated payments. And that's where you look to last year's tax versus this year's tax. It's too complicated to explain right now, but just be aware, look into it. You may need to make estimated payments. Nick writes in, he goes, hi, everyone. I enjoy listening to your show. Uh, learn a lot over the years. My question is, I'm 55. Can I convert some of my 401k to IRA and to Roth without getting a penalty since I'm under 59 and a half? I appreciate your answer. Be safe. Uh, yeah, Nick, we talked about that earlier. Um, so a couple of things when it comes to taking money from a 401k plan at 55, as long as you separate from service at 55 from your employer, uh, there is no 10% penalty by taking distributions from a 401k plan if you separate at 55. The rule is not 59 and a half. That's for IRAs. Right. It's 55 for 401ks. Yeah, and what's weird is you could be 55, separate from service, and that 401k you can take money out, but your old 401k that you never rolled into your new employer one, that's still 59 and a half because you didn't separate from service from that job at 55 or later. Correct, Damundo. Um, so there would be no 10% penalty regardless of what you're trying to do with that money. Um, for other people out there, if well, first of all, Nick, don't put the money into an IRA because you're 55 and you're retired. Keep it in the 401k plan because if he moves it into an IRA, guess what he does? What's he do? He blows up the, the exemption. Now he has to wait till 59 and a half to pull the money out. Yeah, if he needs access to the money. If he right. needs access to the money. Correct. So if you retire in your 55, keep the money in the 401k. Don't roll it to the IRA. Yeah, that's a good point, Joe, because I think a lot of people don't realize it. Now, if you're, so you're, and we'll repeat this because people screw it up all the time. You have to be 55 or older when you retire. When you separate from service. When you separate from service. Yep. If, you, if, you leave, if you quit at age 54 and wait till 55, you're already blown it. You got to wait till 59 and a half. Yes, if you put it into an IRA and that, that you're eligible for the exemption to take the money up with no 10% penalty. But even if, even if you leave it in the 401k, you, re, you retire at 54. Yeah, you're done. You're, you're done. You can't, you have to, you have to wait till 59 and a half to correct, get that without correct, penalty. Correct, correct, I'm sorry. But if you're 55 and retire, now you can pull it out. You have to pay tax on it, of course, but there's no penalty. There's no temper, yes. Yeah, but you can always convert at any age. There's never a penalty in Roth conversions. And I think a lot of people get confused on that too. So you're good to go. Uh, but uh, great question. So hopefully we saved a couple people. So Danny writes in. He goes, what is the difference between taking money out of a 401k and investing it into a Roth IRA conversion? Roth IRA and conversion. I think he's comparing taking money out of a 401k and investing in a Roth or doing a Roth conversion. That's why I read that. Okay. Well, if you take money out of a 401k as a distribution, you cannot put it into a Roth IRA. Yeah, if we're reading your question right, that's a correct statement. So a Roth conversion allows you to directly put money from an IRA or a 401k into a Roth. And yes, you pay taxes on it as though you received it. 
but now it's in a Roth IRA and all future growth and income and principles tax-free. But yeah, you're right. If you just take money out of the 401k, you're not allowed to invest it in a Roth. It's, it's already money that you have outside of your retirement plan. So you think of it as a rollover, right? Because that's how the IRS documents a conversion. Um, so there's confusion is that, all right, well, let's say I'm under 59 and a half and I do a Roth IRA conversion. So that means I'm taking money out of my retirement account yeah. and I'm putting it into another retirement account. But you have to file the paperwork appro- appropriately to do this. Yeah, so it's a, so it's, it's a direct transfer, right? Correct. So, so it, goes from, it goes from your 401k. Let's just say that's at Fidelity, just to make that up, right? And, and you happen to have a, another account at uh, TD Ameritrade. That's, that's your Roth account. So you transfer from the Fidelity to the TD Ameritrade, the Roth, and you never really receive access to the funds. Now you can actually receive- You will get a check from a 401k. Well, from a 401k you will. But, but it but, won't be in the name of you, it'd be the, in the name of the Roth IRA. So it'd be- Correct, yeah. You know, Alan Clopine, trust, you know, man yeah. out to TD Ameritrade for the benefit of yeah. Roth, um, Alan Clopine's Roth, that was something like that. Clear. <laughs> <laughs> but you would get a check. That's what's, yeah. well, if you, well, if you try right. to do a conversion out of a 401k yeah, into a Roth IRA, right. you I, will receive funds. You're right. I was thinking of an IRA to a Roth as, as a direct transfer. You're right. Because 401ks, they make you write a check. And I think when I've done that before, and our clients do, I think it comes out, it, it comes out uh, like to the, it's in the name in of the, the custodian, custodian instead of your own name for the benefit of, you. and then your name. Yes. Yeah. They'll write it out to Fidelity for the benefit of Alan Klopin. Correct, yeah. And then the account number of whatever account that it's going in. Now, um, what, what about this? If you get it in your name and you still want to put it in a Roth, you still have 60, 60 days. 60-day rollover. One time in a 365-day year. Correct. Starting at the point where you got that check. Correct. Yeah. Um, so, but there's no 10% penalty when you do a Roth IRA conversion under 59 and a half if you do it appropriately. Right. Um, I think there's confusion there. It's like, well, do I have to be over 59 and a half because I'm taking money? Is it a distribution? The IRS classifies it as a rollover. Uh, so I wouldn't necessarily uh, worry too much, but the, the question's kind of off. So I, I'm, I'm afraid for Danny, Alan, is, is what I'm, I'm afraid <laughs> oh, yeah? that he's gonna blow this thing up. It's possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, I took the money out of my Roth last year, and now I want to put it. I took the money out of my four hundred and one k last year, and now I'm going to put it into the Roth. What should the investments be? Sure. What's the it's difference? Like, I, you know, I took a distribution. Yeah. Last year, on January. Well, it's July. It's too yeah, late. Yeah. Too late. Right. right you, you know, get, you get sixty days <laughs> once a year. So many blowups. Make sure that you fill out the paperwork appropriately, understanding kind of the rules and regs. And when you file your tax return, understand what you need to do there as well. Uh, so good luck with that. The, the, there, there is no difference. Um, taking money out of a 401k and doing a conversion, it's the same. The money's coming out of a 401k going into a Roth IRA. I think it's the execution on how you do it is everything. Correct. Uh, so you wanna make sure that you are up to speed on the rules and regs or work with someone that is. If you'd like to work with someone who's up to speed on the rules and regs to make sure you don't blow up your retirement, give us a call at 888-994-6257 or click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Schedule a two-meeting analysis of your entire financial situation via Zoom video call with a certified financial planner from Pure Financial Advisors. It's far more comprehensive than a YMYW spitball analysis. It'll help you determine whether a Roth Conversion might be the best way to optimize your retirement tax planning, and it's free. All right, uh, let's go to Cheatham. 
Hi, John Big Al. I'm a regular listener of your podcast every week. See how he left Andy out? Yeah. And he, he probably did. just emailed her directly. Right. No, he didn't, but keep reading. Oh, okay. Um, in fact, I go out for a walk and listen to your podcast peacefully, and it's been one of the best podcasts ever. Peaceful. It's like a meditation oh, podcast. You feel like zen yeah. after? It's like taking a gong bath. <laughs> a what bath? Have you ever had a gong bath? No. I don't know what like that is. You sit there, and then someone's like banging a gong. <laughs> <laughs> is that a thing? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've heard of a sound bath, which is actually pretty relaxing, but a gong bath sounds really no. Like a gong bath you, aggressive. You gotta, it's, Where do you have to go aggressive. to get one of those? Oh, well, you, you gotta go to some secret, <laughs> secret, secret spots. It's not really legal in California. <laughs> it's pretty tough to find a good gong bath here. <laughs> Got it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I could just see some big Buddhist with it. Moving on now. Big, yeah. oh, it's a gong bath, man. It's, it's good stuff. I, I encourage most of you to, to try it out. Look it up, Andy. See if that's, there's such a thing. Oh, You got it. I like how Andy keeps uh, you both in check uh, whenever you guys drift away with your jokes. Oh, that's, which is that's essential. What, that's what we just did. Yes. It's the essential part of the podcast. It is the essential part of the podcast. That makes it enjoyable. Uh, wow, so it's here, real. It is. And told no you, it's water or nudity bath. involved. <laughs> right there. Jeez. What does it say? Gong bath. I'm learning all kinds of stuff today. <laughs> what happens in a gong bath? You don't want to know. Find out where we get them. <laughs> where gotta, do we have to go? You got to experience it on your own, folks. I'm telling you. It will change your life. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> My wife changed employer recently. She had a 401k in after-tax options, uh, not the Roth 401k. I like to roll over the 401k funds to a new employer plan, but when I went to request that, there was no option to just roll over the pre-tax portion, even though I'm able to see total separately between after-tax and pre-tax whenever I log into their site. I called them and I was told I cannot roll over, I, can, I cannot roll over only the pre-tax portion of the 401k into my new employer plan. If to take the check in my name for the after-tax portion, which is a bummer. Uh, this means that there'll be considered distribution. I'll have to pay taxes on the earnings portions. Besides, once the check is in my name, there's no way I can put it back into the Roth IRAs. I have elsewhere, okay? The person on the call did not understand that part, so I did not bother to explain. So here's the amount, $200,000 in a 401k, $6,000 is after tax, which is what I want to convert to the Roth IRA, but they don't have that option. The only other choice I have is to convert the after tax portion to Roth 401k, which will lead to taxes on earning portions, about 650 bucks. I'm confused about what is the advantage of converting the after tax contributions to Roth 401k. Can you please advise? Should I do that as a first step and then later roll that into a Roth? It's it's a two-step approach, but either way, um, I'll pay taxes on the $650 of earnings. Our AGI is expected to go up significantly this year due to a job change, about 380 this year. Uh, so we're already in a high tax bracket. Keep up the good show. Thanks for your advice. So it, it, it's not that, okay, so he's got $6,000 after tax in his 401k plan. And what Cheatham's trying to do is say, hey, to $200,000, I want to roll into the new plan, the $6,000 I want to put into a Roth IRA. Right. Um, you can absolutely do that. Yeah. There, and we're making this too complicated. Yes. There, 
The You're talking to the wrong person at the custodian. You just need to talk to a retirement specialist, whoever the money's held at. Yeah. The, the if si- it's, it, it, he might be talking to an, an HR or someone that knows how to do simple distributions. Yeah. Yeah. But when you look at, let's say, like a net unrealized appreciation, that's taking company stock out of a 401k plan and putting it into a brokerage account. Yeah. Right. You try to do that with a normal rep. Good luck explaining that it. to him. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. They right. don't get it. They don't understand it. And then same with here. If if you're not getting the right answer, it has nothing to do with the plan per se. That it has to do with the law. I guess if, if the plan document does not allow it, but I don't see why not. I, I, don't, I don't either. I, I think the six thousand dollars you send that right to a Roth IRA. Yes. Right. Say here. I want to take this six thousand dollars. Here's the account number. Move it here. Right. I here's got a question. The, not, Here's the two hundred thousand. Not not a not a not a Roth 401k to a Roth IRA. IRA. That's the, you're so, rolling the money out. Yeah, you're rolling it out into a Roth IRA. You cannot roll pre-tax money into another 401k, and maybe that's the problem that he's having. You can't roll post-tax. Post-tax. Money I said it wrong. Into I another wrong. 401k. Post-tax. Because correct. that's why they're saying no. We're going to just write you the check. That, that's I'll say, right. Don't write me the check. Write it to Fidelity. Here's the account number. Put it in this account. Right. Yeah, exactly. And then the rest of it is pre-tax. Then that can be rolled into the new 401k. No problem. Yeah. And so regardless, if you got $650 in, in tax to get $6,650 into a Roth, it makes sense to do. Yeah, but there shouldn't be any tax. On the 6000 but he's right. worried about the 650000 or $650 of growth yes. on the 6000 Yeah. Right. That will be taxed if he moves the full six thousand six fifty into the sure. Roth. Sure, exactly. I agree with that. Right. Yeah. So you 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 can you you might just do the six thousand, pay no tax, or pay tax on six fifty. No big deal. Who cares? Right. Yeah. It says it's his wife's account. Does that matter? Yes. Put it in his wife's account, not his account. He's yeah. probably p- trying to take That's his six thousand and put it in, in, in into his own Roth. It has to go it, into her. It has to go into her, her account, Roth IRA. Her Roth IRA. So yes, maybe that's why. I don't know. So, but if, if you're, <clears throat> anyone's having problem, you know, if you hear something on the show and then you try to implement it, just call us or, you know, email Al or I directly. We can maybe help you walk you through it and, you know, get on the phone with some of these um, administrators for you. Uh, Paul writes in from Columbia, Maryland. Great podcast. Listen every week and always pick up a few nuggets to use. Yep. A few. A few. It's a lot of listening to get a few. Yes, yep. He keeps at it. Thanks, Paul. Yep. You got to binge. <laughs> um, oh, boy. This is going to be interesting. I have a grandson in Australia that is a dual citizen. Okay. Um, he is working part-time there at McDonald's. Nice. Oh, okay. A little, I wonder if they have a little shrimp on the Barbie at <laughs> McDonald's. Could be. Yeah. Uh, he will not earn enough to even file a tax return. I would like to start a Roth IRA for him that reflects his earned income, uh, probably around $1,000 Australian. Yeah. Um, how can I do that? Also, how do I deal with the difference in the value um, of the Australian and the U.S. dollar? So we got some currency exchange we do. with a McDonald's worker in Australia trying to get 1000 bucks into a Roth All from right. Paul. This is not a hard question to answer. I can do it in a minute or less. All right, let's see it. Timer is on. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, um, you can do a Roth IRA contribution for foreign earned income, 
but you need to file a return, even though there's no taxes due. So go ahead, Paul, and have your grandson file a return, show the income of a thousand bucks. The standard deduction would be greater than that. There'd be no taxes due. That will establish that you have earned income. So that's number one. Number two is what amount you put on it. What you do is you take the amount earned over the course of the year in Australian dollars and you just look it up. It's like you, you look at historical currency exchange and you find out what the average currency rate is from Australian dollars to US dollars. Use that percentage and then multiply it towards the, the dollar amount to figure out how much it, it is in US dollars. So let's just say, I don't know what the exchange rate is, but let's just say it's you know, I don't know, 1200 US dollars. So you put 1200 US dollars, even though it's a thousand Australian dollars, put $1,200 on the return. It's going to show zero taxes. Dollars, what, what is what, what is the currency in Australia? Australian dollars. Australian dollars. It is called an Australian dollar? That's AUD. what AUD is. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Got it. I just don't know what the exchange rate is. I have no idea. I would say the Australian, well, I don't know, Andy, didn't you? I don't know. We got 15 seconds. <laughs> All right, Paul, there you go. Great grandfather. And there's another nugget that hopefully we you were able to pick up. We got one last question here from Albert. He, okay. he goes, if I had a million dollars in a traditional IRA and I wanted to roll it to a Roth IRA all at once, how long, uh, many years would it take it to be worthwhile assuming an 8% rate of return? It would take a long time. It would take a couple, couple lifetimes. A couple lifetimes. Don't do that. Yeah, because you would lose 40% of the money. So at an 8% rate of return, the money would have to compound. You would have to, I don't know, depends on how old that you did it. If you were probably 30, you would cut, maybe in 30 years it could catch up. Maybe, but better to do it more slowly over time, stay in lower tax brackets. Yeah, I, there's, I guess we, we could do a whole show on that because there's so many caveats right um but if you're just looking at the all i have is a million bucks i don't have any other assets i don't want to pay tax anymore i'm just going to rip the band i'm going to convert it and pay 37 percent federal 13 percent state yeah if you're california um yeah you're that you're 40 some odd 45 percent it's going to take you a long you you got 550 grand to beat it's no don't do it yeah right Quick derail for you coming up. For more on Roth conversions, specifically when you can withdraw money from your Roth IRA, click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com and download the guide to Roth IRA withdrawals. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Get a free, detailed, personalized assessment of your overall financial situation by clicking the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com too, or just call us at 888-994-6257. Get your free financial assessment. Call 888-994-6257. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Sounds weird. But yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I should get top billing every time. <laughs> the gal and Joe? It should be the, Joe and Big Al. Al. That, that, even and sometimes it Even I say, even I think that flows better. Joe and Big Al. Yeah, there you go. You like calling yourself Big Al? All the time. It's like, hey, you call yourself what's your name? The Fred, person? what's your name? Big Al. <laughs> you know, I got... Um, so when you're sitting around with your wife, you say, man, Big Al's hungry. <laughs> yeah, I always talk to the third person. Big Al. Big, Big Al. Big Al's tired. <laughs> I think he's going to bed. 
pretty tired right now. Uh, you know, uh, to make matters worse, my mom, you know what she got me for Christmas? What? A pair of socks that have, that say Big Al with a picture of my head on it. <laughs> and it's not just one picture of my head. There's probably 25 pictures of my head on each sock. Ooh, there you go. I should wear that. You should. Show it to you. Uh, wear those on the next live webinar. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs>